We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to week four solo ship. Um, Squirrel Patrol, JM the win. Uh, JM, how was your week three? It was good, man. It was a profitable week. I'll always take profit. Uh, move on to the next week. What about you? Another another qualifier win? No, it was a terrible week. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> really frustrating. It was my first really bad like NFL week. I mean, my first like you know negative NFL week. And it was frustrating because we did the show last week, and I was talking about how I had, you know, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews lineup like the week before with the Miami game. And then I thought like running quarterbacks are going to be like a cheat code all all season. Like people still don't like process how many points you get for like a running quarterback. And if you add that together with a tight end is his favorite target, like that, that's filling two, you know, positions with like outlier scores if the game goes right. Uh, and so I landed on Kyler Murray and Zach Ertz instead of <laughs> like as my as my plays last week. I should have just stayed with like Lamar Jackson. Instead of Lamar Jackson and Murray, instead of like the best the best tight end in football. And uh, yeah, yeah. What's interesting too is it was they popped off the week before, and then they had a tough matchup against the Patriots, and so everybody moved off of them. Like they were low owned again. Uh, and and then you know it's it's sometimes hard to like think about everything from the outside before the game, but like Lamar Jackson was talking about how much man coverage the Patriots played. And they asked him, they said, were you, was that a surprise you or were you expecting that? And he was like, Oh no, we were expecting that. And it's like, well, of course you're expecting that. That's what the Patriots do all the time. And if they're playing man coverage and you've got Lamar Jackson, he's going to run well again. And like Mark Andrews is going to get open again. And, and yeah, I mean, I didn't see that one either. I was on, um, I was on the Eagles, which was fine, but uh, yeah, I didn't get, you know, first place, which is really what we're aiming for. And so it's like, Profits, profit, but then you didn't get first place. You turn the week and try to do something better the next week. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it was it was frustrating because they did uh, the Ravens had a tough matchup, and like that's what the kind of thing you should, we should be looking for, and we should be looking for in single entry, right? Because like if it's a great matchup, the ownership is going to be really high, and like what you want is the outstanding player that can do really well in a tough matchup. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, so you need the, you need them to have a bad match, right. To have the loader, the ownership below. Um, it's what I should have been looking for. And it, it was like frustrating. So I, I used that as an example of 
this is the kind of thing I'm looking for. And now then, then like, but, did, but the week before you used Kyler as your example and then played Lamar Jackson. So you kind of flipped yeah, it around. Yeah. <laughs> you kind yeah. of flipped it around the next week. Uh, you know, what's funny when I, uh, last season I did a, a blender and I did a podcast together and he was saying that like the moment that somebody is like, Oh, this wide receiver has a tough cornerback matchup. He's like, that's the moment I want to play that player. Because again, if the, like people are overrating matchups and, and if we're able to find that spot, which not to like jump at the slate from a weird angle, but one of the spots this week that's interesting is Devonte Adams, right? Like Pat Sertan is a really good cornerback, but they're probably going to play that play him one-on-one. And it's like, Devontae Adams can beat anybody one-on-one for a big game. Devontae Adams can beat any secondary for a big game. He's going to be super low-owned, and he's not the only guy. But, yeah, I mean, looking for spots like that just become very interesting. Yeah, Devontae Adams has not been on my radar really this week. I mean, I, I haven't done a ton of preparation until uh, until Fridays. Uh, but I, I Devontae Adams isn't the guy I've been thinking about, but I've been thinking about Josh Jacobs because he's so cheap. That's actually a great point uh, because I think yeah. people are going to play a lot of Jacobs and, and yeah, like we too, we're like falling over ourselves. Like we did a show where it said, we're looking to get away from chalk, but Devonte Adams is chalk. I can't get away from. And now like week four, people aren't really thinking about him and they're going to load up on like a cheap, like Raiders running back. Cause just cause the, the value is there. It's like, Oh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. T- maybe Devonte, maybe this is Devonte Adams. Week. And what's interesting too, is people, people are like, oh, well, Josh Jacobs has a horrible matchup and I don't really like him that much as a player, but he's cheap, so I'll play him at, at heavy ownership as opposed to this other guy also has a tough matchup and can break that matchup for like a huge game, but they don't want to play him. But yeah, like the the one of the things too that I think that has sharpened my thinking and talking with you each week is like, I am so value conscious in DFS, but the value of being like, Oh yeah, this guy's a better value, but the the path to first place is letting go of that value consciousness a little bit, right? Like week two playing Cooper Cup over Devontae Adams because he was 1300 more and was therefore 7% owned when Devontae Adams was 50% owned. It's like just letting go of that value consciousness a little bit in certain places can just give you such an edge, just um, getting these players other people aren't on. Yeah, actually, some the three main sports I play are, are baseball, football, and basketball, and it's it's funny because it's a it's a whole spectrum of you know from like variance and value, uh, and it's really hard to adjust like in October's for me, right? Because I'm I'm playing baseball and the variance is so large, and I I don't care about value at all. And then football starts, and so well, value is like somewhat important. Oh, uh, like you like baseball, you can you can pair two lineups that are really low priced maybe they've got like some bench players hitting in the lineup that day and like i i won a gpp on FanDuel this year like the the rally like the thirty thousand dollar rally using less than half the salary cap just because it was like tigers and royals and like you couldn't you couldn't use like more than like two-thirds of the salary cap like stacking those two lineups football you generally want to use all your salary um but like value is not that important um like yeah you want to look at like somebody like josh jacobs and say well like he's a really good value. He's a really good point per dollar play. That's important, but like it's it's not so important that I, I can't like pivot to a, a similar value at like a similar price range, um, even if the point per dollar is not as good. And then basketball is like value is like supremely important. <laughs> like you never want to leave salary on the table. Um, you've got always got to be thinking about like points per dollar, uh, it, you know, except for some rare rare occasions. Uh, and it it's it's interesting. I think football. I'm really 
starting to see like a, a trend where I, I think I want to spend up for guys at low ownership that can break the slate and where I'm going to differentiate. I think it's just the value plays. Um, and it's interesting because I think we've got some, for the first week, I think this year, I think we're going to have some value plays that are very heavily owned with like, with the um, Jamal Williams, uh, you know, the Detroit running back, like uh, DeAndre Swift's out. And then I think it looks like David Montgomery is going to be out too. And that's going to make Herbert's uh, ownership pretty high. Yeah. And what's interesting too is, you know, Overset and I were talking about this today. Like we've had a lot of the same, like DFS growth kind of slowed for a little while and now it's picking back up, but you've had like a lot of the same people playing for a long time. A lot of the same people talking about it for a long time, but their thoughts haven't necessarily evolved as the NFL has evolved. And so it used to be like, Oh, well the starting running backs out, we play the backup, right? You don't even worry about ownership. You play the backup, but the, the minimum price for running backs used to be three K and they didn't price up running backs aggressively. So we used to get like $3,300, $3,600 running backs with, with 20 touch rolls. Jamal Williams is priced next to AJ Dillon. The last time that Jamal Williams had this role, when DeAndre Swift missed games last year and Jamal Williams was healthy, Jamal Williams played under 50% of the snaps both games, touched the ball 18 and 19 times. 18 and 19 is great, but that's the same number of touches that we would generally project for AJ Dillon as a double digit favorite against the Patriots, right? And so it's like, we're going to have everybody, Ramondre Stevenson touched the ball 16 times last week. We know the Patriots are going to try to run it with against the, the Packers, who are easier to run on, and with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. And he's like 52, 5,300. Like not the same touch projection, but close. And so I think it's interesting that, that the sharp cash game plays just bleed over into tournaments so much at this point where it's like, yeah, Jamal Williams is sharp and his range of outcomes is solid. He's going to have some, if we played out this slate over and over again, he'd have some really strong games, but he's not like, the number of times he would bury you for not playing him are pretty low. And the number of times he would disappoint are a lot higher than people are going to give it credit for. And I just think that, especially in single entry where people hold kind of tightly to like, or, well, this is the place where I play Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert and worry about other things elsewhere. Like makes a lot of sense to go Rashad Penny and Cordero Patterson and spend like the same amount in total salary or a little bit less and have way lower ownership at at this position with just as much upside. I I was thinking this exact Thing earlier today and i was i you know, was reading through the one week season uh re, you know, like the write-ups last night and actually i thought the key thing in there was about jamal williams and he, I, I i don't know if it was you doing the write-up or if it was your interpretation but it was you know saying people are going to be heavily on jamal williams there's no reason to think that the detroit running back like distribution of, of carries is going to be different right like Jamal Williams might just get a small increase in work. He's already priced up a little bit. And like they've got like this Greg Reynolds. There's somebody they always Greg Reynolds. Yeah. Greg Reynolds is gonna play like probably 35% of the snaps, and Justin Jackson is gonna play like five or ten percent. Um, I don't know if like I don't know how I don't know how playable Craig Reynolds is in tournaments, but I've looked at him, right? He's 4,700. He's gonna get eight to ten touches, but there's a game flow there where he ends up seeing 14 to 16 touches and gets the touchdowns and like in large field play, that's a place where you could go. And in single entry, it's like, if I lose, cause I don't have Jamal Williams, I'm okay with that because I know that over time there would be weeks where I would win because I don't have Jamal Williams because everybody who's getting their thoughts from like the cash game players is going to feel like, Oh, you have to play Jamal Williams this week. And that's like five years ago, DFS thinking when we could get this guy for 4k or something and we just can't anymore. And, you know, you, you're paying for this guy and, and that's taking up other upside spot. Like I remember one time head chopper said, 
every roster you build, like every player you put on your roster, you can't just think of them in terms of what they add, but also what they take away. Like the moment you're putting Jamal Williams on, that's taking away the chance to do something different with more upside in that spot. And I think that this is an interesting week to just, yeah, be different at running back, be different, like almost everywhere. We get up to Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and, and Lamar Jackson. Don't worry about ownership on those guys. And then you kind of be different everywhere else because the field is congregating on plays that, to me, it's like they're not as sharp as as the typical chalk plays. Yeah, I was looking at the list of running backs that is cheaper than Jamal Williams. And it's like Ezekiel Elliott, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, A.J. Dillon, like Kareem Hunt. Like, I don't know if Jamal Williams can outscore these guys. Like, for, yeah. you know, and we've got him on Roto Grinders, we've got him projected for 33% ownership. I, I think in large field tournaments, it might not be that high. This hasn't updated for the, the David Montgomery injury. Like in single entry, it'll probably be like 33%. Agreed. And, yeah, Jamal Williams has a good path to a large number of points, but it's not. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to outscore those guys, and he's he's more expensive than them. Um, go and you, yeah, you, you keep working your way down the list to Rashad Penny. The, I don't know what he did to DraftKings, man. He's the 36th most expensive running back. <laughs> There's only 12 teams, 12 games. <laughs> There's 24 teams playing. Why is Rashad Penny the 36th most expensive running back? And like he, he hasn't caught a lot of passes, and um, and Seattle's got another guy. I'm blanking on his name. Kenneth Walker. But, Kenneth but Walker, Penny yeah. played 69% of the snaps last week. Like, in today's NFL, that's elite workload, yeah. right? I mean, like, even the McCaffreys and Saquons are playing, like, 80% of the snaps. I mean, they get all the touches, but that's that's pretty crazy. And you think about Amon Ross St. Brown is out. How are the Lions going to play this game? They're not going to just keep – like Amon Ross St. Brown's a cheat code. They've got to play differently in this one. And so this game's going to stay a little bit closer. And we know that Pete Carroll likes to play for the fourth quarter. If you pay attention to this team, he talks about it all the time. If we get to the fourth quarter and the game's close, we'll win it. Like that's his whole strategy. And that was the problem with Russell Wilson is like, if we get to the fourth quarter, like, and his thought was like, we don't need to take a big lead. Let's just get to the fourth quarter and win it there. Like the, this is a spot where Pete Carroll's going to be like, Hey, we can hammer the ball on the ground against this Lions run defense. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. And Cordero Patterson has seen 20-plus touches in two of the last three weeks and a great spot against the Cleveland run defense. He's going to see more than likely he's going to see 20-plus touches again at 6,500, 400 more than Jamal Williams. Yeah, there's a lot of places to go where, again, like I think that people who are watching this at this point, they're clear of what we're saying. We're not saying Jamal Williams is a bad play. He's a perfectly sharp play, but when we're talking about what wins you a tournament, it's tough to see the path to him making you the most money if we could play out this slate over and over again. And in single entry, people are going to be even more likely to play him because they just feel like he's the guy you have to play. And it's old DFS thinking. It's it's before they priced up these backup running backs. And, and you know, he's priced like a starter right now. And what's DeAndre Swift usually? Like 6,700? You know, like, like Jamal Williams isn't DeAndre Swift. Right. Like, I think if, like, if you just took the names, like switched the names around on the, the Detroit running backs, like if, if um, if Jamal Williams was 4,700, we would think about like heavily about playing him. Right. And like, if that's what like Reynolds is priced at, maybe that's, maybe that's, I don't know. Like I might be like for a single entry, smaller field, like maybe it's like too cute, but I'm going to, I'm going to be looking at some rosters. Okay. I'm going to plug in Penny and Reynolds into my running back spots. Like then with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews <laughs> and see like what I can get at wide receiver. Um, cause like I, the running backs are not putting up the scores so far this season that you have to have. It's like at, at 
you know, at 4,700 and 4,900, like I can miss somewhat, you know, and like, yeah, Penny can split the carries. He's priced to be splitting the carries and he might not. Um, And that's going to be a high scoring game. You mentioned the Cleveland game and that's like, I think we should talk about the games, the overall like game environment this week. There are some interesting games um, because there's basically one game that's just jumping out at everybody and it's jumping out to me too. Um, which is the Buffalo game, like Buffalo Baltimore, and like I am not going to look to get underweight that game because it's got a, you know it's got two good offenses, explosive teams, explosive players. It's got the highest point total on the board. Then there's some other games like Cleveland. So I think it's Cleveland Atlanta. Um, it's got like a surprisingly high total for me. Um, Seattle Detroit. I mean that that's a little bit less surprising, but the Cleveland Atlanta one is is really surprising to me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland and Atlanta, they're both top eight in offensive DVOA early in the season, both bottom eight in defensive DVOA early in the season. But what's interesting there is I think that a lot of the – People are going to be like, oh, well, I can't pay all the way up to Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts because there's just not enough value this week. So I'll go down to Jacoby Brissett and Marcus Mariota. Like, I think Marcus Mariota is going to be one of the highest owned players this week. And it's like it feels good because it's a nice game total and all that. But both these teams are bottom five in pass rate over expectation. Both these teams want to run the ball. And neither of these teams are in a matchup where they're going to be prevented from running the ball. And so that's why I like Cordero Patterson is because he's leverage off of Mariota and he's the way that Atlanta is going to try to win this game. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that we have to look at these, these game totals through the right lens, right? We always say like every game total, every 47 point game total is different from other 47 point game totals. Sometimes it's like 47 points, but the range of, of scoring on either side of that is broad and they, they could have like 65, 70 points in this 47 point game total. But this is the type of game total where, yeah, 50% of the time it goes over, 50% of the time it goes under. But when it goes over, it's rarely going for like 60 plus points. It's going to go for 53. It's going to go for 55. And so this kind of points us toward like, yeah, do we really want to overthink this top game? I love love what you said about like you're not going to be underweight on on that game because there's such a tendency. I think what makes a good DFS player a lot of times is if your natural tendency is to like assume that everyone's wrong and just be like contrarian, right? And I've often said that it takes me longer to come up with simple solutions than it does with difficult solutions because I always go to like more difficult solutions to something first. And sometimes my wife will be like, 
or we could just do this. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's that makes sense. And that's what makes a good DFS player, right? As we think differently, but then you also have to say, oh, I don't want to overthink this spot that's good. I don't want to just be contrarian to be contrarian, load up on this game and then be different in other spots. And that's kind of like, I'm, I'm going to have Josh Allen on my main roster this week. I'm going to have exposure to that game. And if I'm not going to that game, I'm going to go to Jalen Hurts. And if I'm not going there, uh, I'm going to go to Russell Wilson and the Broncos because it's it's he's coming in under 1% ownership in most projections right now. And is he going to hit more than once every 100 games in this spot? Yeah, like eventually this offense will figure it out. It probably won't be this week, but there's a better than 1% chance that it'll be this week. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, like the cheaper quarterbacks, I think they're fine but that's just not where I want to go on a week like this. And I think if the slate sets up very interestingly, like when you look at things through that lens. Yeah. So there's, there's a question on the road to grinders expert survey this week, um, every week. That's what game do you think is most likely to go over its projected point total? And that's a good spot where people kind of put in their, their sleeper game, right? Like their game that's got like a 40 something point total, 44 point total, but they think it could be much higher. My answer to that question this week, was the Buffalo Baltimore game. <laughs> it's got the highest point total on the board, but I think it, it could go over significantly. Um, and it's a good contrast to get to that Cleveland Atlanta game where it's the point totals aren't that different, but like, I would be really surprised to see Cleveland Atlanta go way, way over its point total because both teams are going to try to run the ball. I think. Um, and it's actually Nick Chubb, I think is an interesting play this week. Yep. I think you, you guys, you know, I mentioned him on one week season to see like, it's a guy you want to see what the ownership is at. Because he's someone a lot of people could gravitate towards high point total game. He's going to be getting, you know, we know he's going to be getting a lot of the work. Um, but I think now with like Khalil Herbert and Jamal Williams, like he might end up with pretty low ownership. And like, so if you're not spending up a quarterback, maybe that's what you want to do is, you know, is be going towards um, somebody like Nick Chubb. They could see a monster game. Um, it's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned like, DFS hasn't been growing a lot over the last few years. So a lot of people have the same mindset. Like a lot of the people we're entering tournaments against have this a similar mindset that they've had the last few years. And I think the quarterback might be a spot like that where we're used to looking for value quarterbacks. Yeah. The guys priced at like 5,800, you know, 5,600 on DraftKings where it's like, oh, they, but they've got a great matchup this week. They could throw, throw for 300 yards. But I feel like the way the NFL is evolving like the points we used to see running backs get are now just going to the quarterbacks in some situations. And like, we don't want to play Devin Singletary because Josh Allen's going to get those points now. And like the way, the way the quarterbacks play and like, like we're not, when was the last time anybody's playing like a Baltimore running back? Like, you know, you just Lamar Jackson is getting all of those points. He's, he's putting up, you know, 80, 80 yards rushing a game with a touchdown. Like that's, He's getting those points and the points that the quarterback gets, you know, throwing multiple touchdown passes. Like he should be 8,300. He's outscoring every other player with DraftKings points by like five DraftKings points. I think the next closest guy is Josh Allen, who's about the same price as Jackson. I think they're both, you know, five points ahead of uh, of Diggs, who I think is the highest scoring skill player. Uh, so yeah, it's just another Lamar Jackson plug. <laughs> right, and, and the... I think this is interesting. I mentioned this a couple times this week, but the most underpriced players in DFS are the high-priced quarterbacks. And like when we came into week one, if you looked at player pricing against their 2021 production per game production, it was like Herbert, 
Mahomes, Josh Allen. Those were the most underpriced players in week one against their per game production last year. And, and so we don't think of them as being underpriced because they're priced so high. But in terms of like what they provide on a point per dollar basis, now granted, you know, the cheaper quarterbacks are also going to be like by and large have better per dollar average than maybe like the mid range running backs or something, just because quarterbacks going to be more consistent scoring. But that just shows you like, where should you be thinking about allocating your salary? A lot of times it's these high price quarterbacks and, you know, you pay for them and they get their 22 point game, their 24 point game. And it makes you feel like, well, why did I do that? But you do it because other weeks you're going to have the 40 point games that, you know, when, when, like, I love what you said last week about when Lamar Jackson had that 80 yard touchdown run, you were like, well, that's basically uh, Derek Carr throwing a 250 yard touchdown pass, right? Like Lamar Jackson got 14 points in that one play. And that would be Derek Carr throwing a 250 yard touchdown pass. Like it just, it takes so much more for these other guys to get to 30 points than it does for this other guy to get to 40 points. And Josh Allen, especially because they're like, he really is their whole offense. You look at the game logs after the game. A lot of times it's like seven running back carries, eight running back carries. Every other play was Josh Allen centric. And if the bills have a good game, he's going to have a good game. Yeah. Like you mentioned Jacoby Brissett. Like you, you couldn't pay me 5,500 to play. <laughs> play <Jacoby laughs> like he, he's just not going to put up that monster game. And again, some of these guys that have even found their way on my rosters, like, Baker Mayfield, Mitch Trubisky, like, well, they could, you know, I kind of talk myself into when I'm playing 150 lineups. Well, you can, you know, Trubisky's got a lot of weapons, like, you know, Baker Mayfield, maybe the situation just hasn't been right. Um, but, like, there's – the offense just isn't going through them. Like, no, it's going to be like Christian McCaffrey instead of Baker Mayfield. Um, like, Mitch, it's going to be nobody with Pittsburgh possibly this season. Um, you know, but, I mean, I guess that is an interesting situation. Like, I think – Actually, that is like a game that I might have some interest in. It's Pittsburgh Jets because um, I think the like the range of possibilities is bigger, right? Like, uh, yeah. we don't because uh, Zach Wilson's coming back, so we'll we'll see there. Um, but I do. I, I think this is going to be a year to to spend up at at quarterback and at wide receiver. You know, and it, like I love I love what you said about the if you spend for these like Reynolds and Rashad Penny and they miss, like you can probably make up that production. You know, I was looking through rosters last week as i always do and i saw that uh big t had spent like 4500 and 4500 for his running backs on on i think it was like his game changer roster last year so it was like some single entry or three entry max and the didn't just like paid up for all the wide receivers right and i think that, that there's viability at this point to to doing stuff like that to saying let's not overvalue the running back position you know and and as i i'll, I'll often talk about like the nfl is always changing we have to change with it so it used to be pay down at running back. And then the NFL started developing these 90% workload running backs who caught passes and David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey, they did everything. So there's like pay up for running back and Levitan was calling it team jam them in. And it's like, well, now we do that. And, and now the NFL is like, why are we investing all this money in these running backs who keep getting hurt and don't last past the age of 26? Now we're going to like split the workload in our backfield. And we're all still like, all right, 8,500 for our running back, 9k for our running back. And, you know, you got AJ Brown sitting over here with like a, a 33% like team target market share and like at 7,400 and people aren't going over to him. Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting. Um, and it, being able to kind of shift our thinking when everything else is really just kind of like stays in one space gives us a definite edge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Um, we got to like evolve our thinking 
I'm looking at tight end, and it, it that's an interesting position because I it does it seems like the running quarterbacks are pairing with these pass catching tight ends. Like you've got you know Zach Ertz and Kyler Murray. I mean Lamar Jackson and and Mark Andrews are the the first ones to come to mind. Um, then it's you know Zach Ertz and and Kyler Murray. Uh, Jalen Hurts has uh, Dallas Goddard. Like that's I think Goddard's going to be a kind of criminally underowned this week. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about just alternating some of these running quarterbacks with like with the other guys tight end, right? Like so you can pair like you know Lamar Jackson maybe play Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard lineup, um, and maybe you're playing like. Yeah, or maybe uh, Josh Allen, you know, with the Zach Ertz or, or something like that. Um, you know, like even Mariota and Kyle Pitts. Um, it just seems like, yeah, I, I don't know if there's uh, some kind of strategic NFL positional trend, but it does. It seems like these the running quarterbacks are pairing with the the tight ends as their favorite target. Yeah, and 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 like you said, with like the the Lamar and Mark Andrews thing, you cover two like we call them single entry spots, right? It's like two spots where everybody's only rostering one player. It's rare that somebody's rostering two tight ends and everybody can only roster one quarterback. And, and then we know tight ends a tough spot to fill. So if you get those two spots, like if you get a running back, right, that doesn't like make your whole roster. Cause you still have to get the other running backs and wide receivers and flex players. Right. Right. There's so many other layers there, but if you get quarterback and tight end, right, you're so far ahead of the field already. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that off the top of my head, I think it's random that these, that the quarterbacks are pairing with the running quarterbacks are pairing with these tight ends right now. But I mean, it's definitely an interesting angle. And I think that the, even outside of that, like just the players themselves and, and somebody like Dallas Goddard, right. Well, all of the Eagles pass catchers for some reason are, are coming in with low ownership projections this week, but like Goddard hasn't hit yet. And so people go to the people who have hit, right. Like, Cortland Sutton's going to have five X the ownership of Jerry Judy this week because he's been hitting and Judy's only hit once. And it was way back in week one. Uh, so I think Dallas Goddard's a guy who's going to be like very under owned compared to his ceiling. Uh, and you can pair him with Hertz or pair him with one of these other running quarterbacks. And yeah, it's, it's um, there's a lot of interesting ways to play around with things for sure. Yeah. Right, so just transitioning a little bit, there was one game I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on. So Arizona and and Carolina, I was kind of shocked to see this total. And I kind of thought it might be a, a total we see move throughout the week, but it doesn't seem to be that way. I was like stunned to see Arizona with a 21, uh, 21 point implied, you know, implied point total. Um, I don't know. Like, do you, do, I thought that would be much higher. <laughs> like I, I thought Kyler Murray and I, I know they're like the running game hasn't gotten going. The, the receivers are all hurt. Uh, but I'm, I'm still just shocked that that, you know, that there are underdogs and that their point total is 21. I literally, um, I literally like never play the Arizona offense. And it, it like comes back to bite me way less than you would think. It was like, there was all the hype about the air raid, Cliff Kingsbury's first year. And then like three games in, I was like, this offense kind of sucks. And I'm confident. I was the first person to call it the, the horizontal raid instead of the air raid. Now everybody calls it that. So maybe I wasn't the first one, but uh, there's like six or seven things like that where I'm like, Pretty sure I was the first person to say that and everyone stole that from me. But anyhow, the horizontal rate offense, it's just like I the upside so rare that we see had to have it games from pass catchers. I say that one week after Marquise Brown had, you know, pretty close to a had to have it game on that slate. But it's so rare that we see had to have it games from pass catchers in this offense. And it's more like Kyler Murray or bust to me. But um, yeah, the game total is low. Like 
really low for a, a Panthers defense that dedicates a lot of attention to taking away the pass, but doesn't necessarily have the talent to take away the pass. So I think that, you know, especially when you're talking about, hey, first place or nothing, right? And the thing, I think this is important too, right? When we talk about qualifiers versus tournaments, it still is a different conversation because in tournaments, for it's first place or nothing, right? But the payout might be like 50X for first place. And in a qualifier, the payout is like 70, I mean, not, not 70, it's like 500X with the value of the ticket a lot of times or like 200X, 300X, and then the upside for that million dollar finish, right? And so like, and then first place is the only place where the money is. So I think in like a qualifier, Kyler Murray just continues to make sense because he can do it all and he can put up these monster games. In tournaments, it's like, do I need that risk where I'm on a low total game and I'm literally out of the money if he misses? Like, I don't think so. And I just, I don't like this. I've never liked this Arizona offense. And, you know, I took some James Conner last year just because of the touchdown upside, the way he was being used. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a surprisingly low total, but it's not one that I'm like, oh, this is way off, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, it seems to me like a game where I'm probably not going to go, I'm probably not going to go there in you know, like small field contests, but then if it blows yeah. up, I'm going to be angry at myself. I'm be like, oh, yeah. like I, why did we not see that coming? Like Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey, like obviously that game could go, could go berserk. Um, and, you know, I don't know why it had a four, you know, 43 point total. Uh, but you know, so- I also think one of your edges like what makes you such a good DFS player is knowing a little bit less about the NFL than I do, because that makes you a little bit more willing to be like, like Kyler Murray can hit I'll play him. Like, I think like, I can't tell you a Cubs fan who was kind of, who's co-founder of OWS and um, you know, he's got a Millie maker win and, and like 25 plus live final appearances and, and how often he'll text me and he hasn't, he didn't really play DFS much last year. He's getting back to it this year, but how often he's texted me over the years about like some player where I'm like, uh, no, that's not a good play. And then he plays them anyway, and they end up like popping off for the, the big game, right? Because it's just that willingness to say, yeah, this guy can pop off for the big game. And that's harder for somebody like me to do, which is one of the reasons I tend to stick to like smaller field contests instead of ultra large field contests, because my knowledge gets in the way sometimes in, in ultra large field play. Yeah, I actually, there's two things I try not to do. Like I, I don't follow college football because I don't want to know. Like, I don't want to know, like, who people think are good coming into the NFL. Like, I just want to – I want to see what they do in the NFL first. Like, I don't want to have, like, preconceived notions. And it's I didn't go to, like, Division One school, so it's easy for me to not – just not follow college football. Um, and I don't play best ball because <laughs> I don't want to know the players in that – in, like, that detail. Like, I don't get really into the preseason because I don't want to know. I don't want to know who did well in the preseason. Like, let them – like, you know, let them do well in the NFL first, and then I'll, then I'll play them. I just kind of want to – see what I see. And there, there's like actual certain things about football knowledge that I, I try not to try not to know. Uh, you brought up like some interesting uh, things about like contest size. We actually got a question in the comments uh, a couple of weeks ago and I, I forgot to address it last week. There's a question about how many single entry lineups is it good to make? Like if you're entering a variety of single entry contests, like how many single entry lineups do you make? And I'll, I'll say for me, I actually make about five or six single entry lineups and I put them in across a variety of single entry contests. And a lot of times I'll try to have different quarterbacks, like it'll be different game stacks. And it, 
like this week I might actually I have it Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson in those five like single entry lineups and part of the reason I do that is just uh because I'll play like the DraftKings qualifier this five entry max will be at $470 and um have those be my five single entry lineups but then I'll, and I'll play like some five max some three max and then I can just like cut and paste it all the way down into my into my DraftKings file when I'm doing the lineups and it's it's actually like I want to address that question for one thing to just say it's actually like very logistical that like on a FanDuel I'll tend to play six single entry lineups because they have leagues where you can enter three lineups and also like I'll I'll have like a multiple of three right so I'll have six and I'll be entering all those lineups in different um, in different contests I can just cut and paste it all the way down at one time in my FanDuel entry file so like that'll have like might have a thousand lineups in it you know and entries in it for football on a Sunday um how about you like how many like single entry lineups do you tend to know I, I think you've said like in in one week season you tend to do like three or, or five lineups yeah right? I think it's I think it's super sharp because you are essentially able to play it as like a uh like a limited entry player instead of a single entry player it allows you like people want to do the all or nothing bets right they want to be like if I'm right I'm 100% right on things whereas like realistically it's like a, a few weeks ago I had a a parlay that was set to bring back like 12.5 K in winnings, but the last leg had to hit and it was in the late game. And so I put down like, I needed the Matthew Stafford over on passing yards and I put like 3,500 down in the Matthew Stafford under, because you're like, I st- like now I know I'm winning regardless. And I think that there's a mindset where people want to be like, Oh, I, I hope Matthew Stafford hits. Right. And I can get all the money. And I'm like, yeah, I'm lowering what I get if I'm right, but also I'm getting money back if I'm wrong. And I think that the same thing with like, being able to spread things out in across multiple single entries with multiple rosters kind of allows you to mix and match things and be on combos that other people might not be as willing to be on. Then I also think that by size, it matters, right? Like the single entry roster I'm going to put in a 200 entry tournament is different than the roster I'm going to put in a 5,000 entry single entry tournament. And so I kind of like to vary things in, in that regard as well, in terms of like 5,000 entries and above is like a different category for me than, like a 1000 entry or, or 500 entry, 200 entry, single entry. And and you can kind of play those just a little bit differently. You still want to embrace risk and upside and all that, but uh, you can do things just a little bit differently there. Yeah. And I think it like the, the mindset I go with, why well, I want to play like, no, about five or six, generally five rosters on DraftKings, six on, on FanDuel, just for logistic reasons, only the contest that I enter specifically on those sites but it gives me some margin of error with ownership where if I go from a mindset, like I definitely want to have like a different quarterback, you know, or maybe even a different game on each of these rosters. Like I don't necessarily, like if one of the quarterbacks gets outsized ownership, because that's the guy that's in cash games that, that week, like I could end up being like way off on my ownership projections or, you know, my mental ownership projections for that contest um, gives me a little bit of a, a margin of error where like, I might be entering a quarterback that um, is dramatically underowned for that contest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's so sharp. I think it's smart to kind of be able to vary, like have that willingness to vary things and also not, not think you have to be all the way right or all the way wrong on things kind of frees you up to a few things a little bit differently as well. Yeah. All right. So any final thoughts about wraps it up? Um, yeah, no, no thoughts for me. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Scott Barrett who kind of pumps up this, this show to his audience every week. It's become uh, his favorite watch. So shout out to Scott. Uh, thanks for watching. And um, I think, I think, I don't think that this show's really like caught, caught fire yet in the viewing audience. So 
uh, we'll, we'll keep it a secret for a little bit longer, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, fun to hang out with you every week. I love talking about the single interest of it sharpens my mindset heading into the weekend. So really appreciate this time. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Me as well. And, uh, you know, for the listeners, you feel free to, to leave any questions in the YouTube comments or reach out to us on Twitter and I'll be sure to address the question a couple weeks later when I remember, when I remember it. Yeah, <laughs> All right. That'll do it for a uh, solo ship. Um, yeah, Jam, have a good week. Uh, good luck this weekend. All right. See you guys at the top of the leaderboards.